Hello and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, the executive search forum for the insure tech industry on an international basis. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to hear a bit more about our recruitment services, please visit www.wearefinpro.com. I hope you enjoy the episode. Good morning and welcome to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. I'm your host, Alex Bond, and I'm very lucky today to be joined by uh, Ross Nichols, who is co-founder of Just Move In. Um, Ross, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Yeah, very well. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Yeah, good. Well, we've, we've this has been a little while in the coming, isn't it? Because you've been taken out by the vid, I think it was, for the last couple a, of weeks. A, li- a little bit sick. Yeah, a little bit sick, but, but fighting fit now. Good. Kind of. good, good, good to hear it. Um, cue some sort of coughing fit midway through the podcast. Yeah, yeah apologies if I do. <laughs> Not at all. Well, look, thank you so much for joining me. Um, yeah, and this has been a little bit of a we've got we've got we've got James at EOS Ventures to thank for this, and the fact that we've um, we bumped into each other in Vegas. Um, and uh, but yeah, at, at an ITC event, and, and we'll sort of get into kind of why um that has relevance and 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 also non-relevance to, to to your business so that's that's quite intriguing but i'm excited to do this so thank you for coming on board um but before we dive in it'd be great you know customary in the leadership insurance podcast to have you introduce yourself and, and the just move in business so if you'd be so kind it'd be great for you to explain what it is you guys do yeah sure happy to so just move in we describe the business as the home move platform and fundamentally, we exist to remove the stress and hassle of moving house, whether you're buying, selling or, or renting a property. And we've managed to streamline over a dozen services that you need to manage at the point of moving house into a, a really nice digital experience and then embed those services into our experience as well. So it's not just recommending services, but actually managing payments and registering for terms and conditions and doing that all within our platform. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, an interesting journey, I think, to get to the stage where, where we are now. We're, we're managing around 10,000 moves a month across the UK, so significant volume. And our business model is, is B2B to C. So we work with organisations that have access to customers who are in the process of, of moving home. And then we embed our service into theirs. So it could be an estate agency business, it could be a bank, it could be any fintech. And I think ultimately all... All people, all, all businesses have customers that are moving house at some stage, so it genuinely affects everybody. Uh, we we do a range of services that you wouldn't necessarily link to insurance. So we do a lot of change, change of address. So notifying the council that you've moved, the water and sewage company, the energy companies, and then also moving into other areas. And insurance we see as a key driver for us from a commercial perspective. But it's really important in the beginning of that experience to help build a relationship with the customer where they trust us to then make recommendations, which is where the insure tech side of what we're doing comes in later down the track. So, yeah, we're a team of 50-ish people based down in Bournemouth on the south coast. And, uh, yeah, that's a bit about us. We've been going since 2000. And well, I'll tell you the story of how we got started probably a bit later, but we originally founded the business in 2015 but actually we've been doing this full-time since 2018 I'll probably tell you a bit more about that later on yeah well this I suppose let's, let's dive into that so talk, talk to us about um stage of funding as well because you you raised a pretty significant round earlier this year didn't you um 9.3 million dollars or is it dollars or pounds or no <laughs> that's the that's the, the total amount we've raised we've raised seven million pounds since 2018 the most recent round that we announced was actually 
it was two rounds combined really so uh yeah we've, we've raised numerous amounts over the course of the last few years mm-hmm. and we're actually doing another round of funding right now which is um which is really exciting so i can't really say too much about that but sure. there's a hopefully uh, another fundraising announcement coming soon but yeah mm-hmm. that's been our journey so far um i mean boss you're a bit of a serial entrepreneur is, is that a fair thing to say um you previously founded a kind of property tech startup room flick um so well are you happy to wear the serial entrepreneur title is that fair <laughs> oh serial trier i think i think the word entrepreneur always i've never been comfortable with that word i think it's just uh, a little bit too fancy i prefer business owner or yeah. business director or something a bit more operationally focused to be honest but but yeah, I've I've certainly been involved in a number of startups across the years to varying levels of of success, both as an employee and I've had uh, a few experiments along the way. Let's say some more successful than others. Roomflick that you mentioned was probably the most successful, which was a flat sharing technology business that was across between Spare Room and Tinder. And I'd I'd been in many flat shares over the years that were challenging. Let's say where you move in and then. A few weeks later, you figure out you're living with somebody who is very different to you or potentially a bit unhinged or just, yeah, just not the person you thought they necessarily were from that one hour session that you had with him when you were thinking about moving to the flat share. And I think Tinder had just come out and I thought, wow, this would be a great way to find a flatmate before you actually move into a property with him where you can match on social profiling, mm-hmm. whether we have the same interest in music or football clubs or whatever it might be, you're more mm-hmm. likely to get on if you do that. So we... I built that business. We launched it in 2015 and we were featured by Apple quite early on. So we had this fantastic growth curve for about six months. We had lots of nice PR written about us and things were, were going really well. And then at the uh, during that period, Tom and I, who's my now co-founder at Just Move In, had we've been reconnected through my best friend from school, who's his brother. And Tom had just started this idea, this concept called Just Move In. And I love the idea and it, it felt natural that once you found your flat share that just moving could help you get set up in the property with all the things that you needed to do. And so we started originally talking that year about what a partnership would look like. And then at the end of that year, we were close to, we've been through an accelerated program as Roomflick and we were close to doing a, a fundraising round. And then I just realized that I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. And we had a, a difference of opinion in terms of what the founders, the other co-founders that I brought into the business wanted to do and how they wanted to run the company. And so I ended up leaving my business at the end of that year, which was incredibly tough, probably the, the lowest moment for me uh, from a mental perspective. And it was it was really tough, but very quickly, thankfully, bounced back. And then got, uh, got chatting to Tom, bumped into each other again. And he said, well, look, I'm starting this. You've got a bunch of experience that I don't have, vice versa. Maybe we could try working together and see how things go. So I gave it some thought and then jumped at the chance to, to do it. I was consulting then for the next year for for another business just to restore my bank balance because I was completely broke at that point. <laughs> and then during that time, we affectionately call it our, our work dating period where yeah. we were just, just making sure that we worked well together and we didn't want to have any disagreements or anything because we I knew his family and had been on holidays together as kids. Mm. So I wanted to make sure it was good. And, and thankfully it was. And still now is the, like, the best working relationship I've ever had with anybody in any organization I've worked in. And I think there's just that deep level of trust that we now have because, because of that, that friendship that's, that's been going back for years. Mm. And uh, then at the end of 2017, I spent a lot of time together, me helping him out as much as possible behind the scenes. I then joined as a co-founder. 
And then from 2018, we've been doing this full time, which I referenced before. There were some other ideas that we were playing around with, but just move in was the was the one that everybody resonated with. And I think kept coming back to you, which was, and you'll hear this if you speak to anybody, you've just moved house yourself. I know people yeah. will say, I wish I had that when I moved house. Yeah. And I think that's because, well, it's such a, a global issue, global problem. Everybody has to move house at least a dozen times, usually throughout the course of a, a lifetime. And I've moved well over 25 times in my life. Mm. I think that's becoming more and more common as people rent more and move more, more freely and remote working has increased that further. Mm. So we knew the opportunity was, was massive. And I think we're just getting to the stage now where we can really see, see that the, the vision of where this is going to get to and has the potential to be yeah, a game changing business, we think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm your perfect target client. I mean, I've moved an insane amount of times. Um, I used to rent, uh, I, I just had this thing about renting. I always say I'm renting because I didn't own it. I thought I, I love property. So I kind of just like the idea of every six months I used to just move. <laughs> just I, I, That was particularly in London. I, I think um, I lived in Blackheath and Greenwich. Uh, uh, and and I, I think I've lived in about, almost every square inch of that of that of that space um for a while uh, and then ironically i've moved as far as lewisham uh, which if anyone knows london is it's literally the next next part of town over um, around the corner from me yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be neighbors very shortly but um that process is so painful and it's such an obvious pain point and i think yeah, the more obvious a kind of solution is, 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 is the better idea it is. But I just wanted to bring it back, actually, because, you know, it's funny you talk about Room Flick and, and the premise of that business. Mm. And then talking about, you know, founding teams, because um, something, you know, most of the time we're talking to startups on here and, and people want to start their own business. And, you know, just how, to, how challenging it is to get that right, because you can have them two talented people, but it's not really... I almost think it's not about that. It's, it's more about if you if you if you can have a really healthy working relationship, you can solve most problems. But actually, getting that right, you almost need a room flick for co-founders. I think. Oh uh, God, there you go. <laughs> That'll be the next one. Yeah, I'll let you try it. Not I let you try it. Not me. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably closer to my wheelhouse. I mean, I, I I had a partnership that didn't work when I started my first recruitment business and. You know, not because the guy I worked with wasn't talented, but we we agreed at the outset, and then what we what ended up happening was you suddenly realised, oh, actually, we've got slightly different objectives for the for the business, um, and and neither was wrong, but it was different directions, and then you get this kind of pull, and then it's pulling in the same direction for me feels like the most important thing, and you can kind of work everything out as you go. Um, I don't know if you'd agree with that, but I think no, you, know, you totally, yeah. I totally would, and I think. That's actually a really interesting point. So one of the things that we totally aligned on right at the beginning of the business was uh, running a company ethically and wanting to do the right thing and have more purpose with our, our lives generally. Mm. And we, we saw the, the home move as the entry point into somebody's life where it's this significant amount of disruption change that's going on in their day to day. And one of the few times where they have to actively, actively move suppliers. So you're moving from house A to house B you have to switch suppliers. You have no choice in the matter. Whereas yeah. we know a lot of people, for example, I forget what the current stat is, but it used to be pre-COVID, it was about 33, 34%, I think it was, the homes that have never switched energy provider, even though there's been millions of pounds spent across various websites that promote 
switching and the benefits and the money saving, people still just don't do it because there's this huge inertia and, oh, it's too difficult, it's too painful. So when you move, you have to go through that process. We felt if we could deliver a great experience, we could start to nudge people towards better, more ethical products and services. And, and the main driver of that at the beginning was actually pushing people to 100% renewable energy, which we've done since we started the company back in 2015, 16, when Tom was on his own doing it. And that's progressed to where it is now today. But, but yeah, I think having that aligned vision, and, and we're also a, a B corporation, which we have been since 2018, that is the almost our North Star, I think, for making decisions as a, as a group. Because mm. ultimately, every three years, when you come to recertify, what is that decision that you've made a week ago, a year ago, two years ago, going to do to your, your score? Mm. And, and will you be able to recertify again? So it definitely keeps you honest and keeps you on the straight and narrow from a decision-making point of view. Yeah. Yeah, and we're definitely going to dig into the B Corp thing, certainly later. And I think the values, but I think, yeah, it speaks to values. I mean, I've been talking to a lot of founders recently. Um, we've It's to come out, but we talked to you live, and they were talking about their kind of, their their universe, which is just around the corner from us, and um, and, and values, and, and and we talked a lot about that. And, and you know, I've been, I've got a business mentor, and, and we're at a stage of, we, we're significantly growing, Um you know, we're hiring people quite well. We're trying to hire people. <laughs> it's the mass hire of a group of <laughs> business, but one of the things that we keep coming back to is is, is values. When you're so small, um, I think startup businesses are almost the best ones. Are a bit, I don't want to use the word cult, but they are a bit cult like. There's and and you know, I mean that in the best possible way. Is there's a set, the shared set of beliefs and values about what the right thing to do is 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 probably more important than anything else. Um, what uh, I wanted to dig into as well is, is, is where are the leadership and insurance podcast? That's we met and insure tech mm-hmm. event. We probably got to bring the insurance piece in. Um, insurance wasn't part of your initial offering. Um, you know, there was lots of kind of everything from council tax to broadband to, of course, you know, the, some of the, the other stuff. Um, when did that? How has your offering evolved over time? What was the kind of journey of kind of adding different things and and kind of where does insurance come to the equation? Um, I'm kind of wondering, I suppose where I'm coming from, how much of that was kind of when you were talking to investors and then did it, was it an external idea that came into the business or was it, you know, organic from the kind of business growth, um, you know, as, a, as an additional service that you might need? Yeah, so it's a good question. I mean, at the, at the beginning, we, we didn't have any technology, we didn't have any money and there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen when you move house. And so yeah. it's just figuring out what can we do with with no technology no cto <laughs> tom and i are non non-developers so figuring out how to do stuff manually was where we started and right at the very beginning again it was tom who was it was tom a phone a google sheet and a squarespace website you know that's how we were that's how it that's where it came from and then it was okay well i've got a customer that wants help moving house how do we how do we figure out what we're doing and connect all those suppliers and it's very much chicken and egg at the beginning where you haven't got any moves coming through you haven't got any bargaining power with any of the suppliers that we now work with and so it's quite chicken egg almost a marketplace dynamic in that regard mm. and at the beginning it was okay well uh, can we go and sell energy to, to somebody yes okay but on its own it's not that interesting and our our original audience that we would sell into was estate agents who would then introduce it to their customers and trying to just get them to talk about energy to their customers wasn't they weren't that interested in energy as an isolated product. Then you add counter tax, and it's, okay, interesting. And water, mm, okay, more interesting. Removals, okay. And then gradually you're creating this turnkey solution where you've got 
what we used to call the service was concierge. It was concierge for home movers when we began. Now we call it the home setup or home move platform. And gradually more services made the, the overall proposition more compelling for somebody to introduce their customers. And so those services we, we started with and began to forge deeper relationships with those suppliers in, in those core categories and adding additional suppliers directly. And we didn't want to go through intermediaries or through comparison sites to, to build those relationships, which took us much longer. Mm-hmm. But actually now means we have more control over that customer journey behind the scenes. But we always saw, as I touched on this earlier, we saw the move as the entry point into your life where there are so many things that have to happen before you move, as you move, just after you've moved, and then over the course of the next year or two where you're settling into that property. And, and there isn't anywhere to do all of that stuff centrally. So that was always the, the long-term goal, the long-term vision was to build this, this platform for managing your home and ultimately your life. And insurance is such a key component to our lives that we knew that was going to become a, a big focus for us as a business. We had to get the fundamentals right at the beginning, which was to to provide value around council tax, water, sewage, gas, and electricity, and managing that change of occupancy process. And maybe we weren't even making any money from that at the beginning, just notifying suppliers that you've gone from house A to house B. And then it was, okay, well, we need to introduce home insurance, buildings, contents, an obvious place to start. Mm-hmm. We did that initially working with a, with a broker who was doing the selling on our behalf, and then gradually moved up. We got our we're, F- we're now regulated directly authorized by the FCA and have been for I think over three years now and started selling ourselves with other intermediaries to to manage that process and really trying to embed it as much as possible into the experience so all of this stuff has improved over the course of the last few years where we've now got a very slick embedded insurance technology journey within our product where we can give you a quote with actually no questions asked at all because we already know a lot of information about who you are as a customer, because of the way that we integrate with our partners, which could be, as I mentioned before, it could be a, a fintech business, it could be an estate agency, it could be a conveyancing firm, tenant referencing business. Mm-hmm. And all of those partners have the core information that we need around who you are, where you're moving to and when. And then we enrich that data with the APIs that we have to identify the suppliers that are already in a property, the size of that property, what year it was built in. And a lot of those questions are required by the insurers to give the quote. So we we can just streamline that whole process. So it's now a it's a really nice experience. And the next stage for us now is how do we move into other areas of insurance, which is why not everybody can see us necessarily as a as an insure tech business. Sure. How, how, how are you at all related to that? But that's absolutely what we're doing, which is building out a mechanism whereby we can create all of those milestones around not just the move date, but as you're moving, you may also have a car insurance policy or a life insurance policy that may not renew for six, seven, eight, nine months from the point that we help you. But if we can do a great job on the way in, manage that move experience, maybe sell you the home insurance policy, we can then say, well, would you like our, our help in six months time, Alex, when your car insurance is due for renewal? We can send you some quotes. That would be great. Yeah, please. Thank you. And yeah, so yeah. that's that's the vision. It's those other other insurance products that you will definitely need at some point and we're using the home move to try and access and build a relationship with you at the beginning. And if you have a look at our Trustpilot page, we're, we're super proud and very focused on maintaining those reviews because we build a relationship with that customer at the beginning. And you'll see people refer to their move specialist, which is the person that helps somebody move in usually mm-hmm. over the phone. That is uh, that's that relationship building where we can then help them with 
different products down the line. And protection insurance actually is one of the things we've we've just introduced uh, after the initial conversation with the customer, and that's proving very successful. So that's critical illness, life, income, and, and rental protection. And yeah, that will that will naturally grow. So we we very much see ourselves uh, as an insurance business. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating for me from the perspective of of thinking of that data that you have because um, it's the perfect embedded model, right? Essentially, you've got a richer existing relationship with the customer, and then you're in a better position to offer them a better insurance experience as a result of that. Um, I mean, I've been throwing my toys out of the pram in the office lately because. Um, health insurance and we've got that classic thing where it was underwritten and now I've got a claim and now I've got to prove that I didn't have pre-existing conditions and all that sort of stuff and then you have to go to your, your GP and my point was why haven't you got that information already you know why would you and now this may be that I just don't understand um, health insurance as well as I should, thought I would do um, but I we still come back to this narrative particularly when we look at home insurance as you say I'm in the process of moving to a new property already looking at quotes and they're going well how old is the property how is it built how is it constructed and, and I, I just don't know the answers and and I, I don't know why I'm expected to know yeah yeah and, and so the idea that the especially when the, all, all that information is, is, is essentially and, and the thing about moving is you get asked this information so many times by so many different exactly. people and that's the you know you just want to have this single point of truth which is you know a business like yours and go right they know. Ask them. <laughs> They'll do exactly. it. Um, the other, the other key point you mentioned, which is an interesting one, it, we're because of the way that we're delivering the service, we're actually not selling in the traditional sense that you might, if you were looking for a specific product or being pitched a specific product, you're moving house. As I said before, you have to do this stuff, yep. and you sure you don't, you don't have to have insurance in every case. But if you're buying a property, you definitely do, and. If you're renting increasingly, you, you should have some insurance in place to make sure you're covered. We're just going through a list of questions with people, whether they do that digitally through our interface where they can say which services they want and if they can manage the whole process online themselves, or if they wish to come through and speak to somebody because they have some questions, and they can also do that and book an appointment with one of our team. And so they will then take the customer through a journey of saying, you've, you've said that you want to help with X, Y, and Z. Let me let me do some get some feedback from you around what those what you're looking for, what your requirements are, and then we'll make some recommendations and you can take the recommendations or not. And so it's it's a very different journey, traditional sales journey to what you might have. And I think that is also part of the, the power of what we're doing, which is to build that very long-term relationship where we can make a recommendation, but don't take it, no problem at all, onto the next question. And they never feel like they're being sold to. And that is, a, again, it's a really powerful journey. Mm. I, I was just wondering... I don't know if you can share this data or, or I'm sure you have it, um, but whether you, yeah. how many people are kind of like first time buyers? Because I think, I think first time buying specifically, there's also a lack of awareness about what you actually need. You know, when you first buy property, do you know you even need life insurance as well as home contents, as well as kind of like, you know, the, 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 the property insurance itself? Um, is that, is that, because the reason I thought I wondered whether it's, it's a higher proportion because I moved a lot, so I know how painful it is. So I'm more mm. attracted to your business. But first time buyer, maybe there's a naivety there that you go, oh, I don't need that. Um, yeah, I was, I was intrigued about that. It's a makeup of your customers. Yeah, well, it's it's probably broadly representative of the overall market. And as we sign partners that do 
either sales or lets. It, used, it tends to skew in a different direction. Mm. So of the, the 10,000 moves we processed in September, probably the split is 70, 30 towards rentals at the moment. But actually, there's a number of, of large sales organizations that we're in the process of, of working with and going live with that will skew that back closer to 50-50. Mm. And the makeup of those customers is very diverse. It's, it could be anybody who's 18 years old, an international student renting for the first time, or it could be a Premier League footballer. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we help a few of those moves. I can't say any names, but there's a, a particular club that we currently work with and process those moves. And then at the upper end of the scale, you've got people in their 80s who have maybe never moved house before on their own. Their partner may have passed away and they're downsizing and they just need help. And actually, yeah. if we just had a purely app interface and experience for them, they wouldn't be able to use our offering. They want to speak to somebody. They want to get. They want to get on the phone, have a conversation, and they actually have got a lot of disposable income because they're older. And so it's. I think it's that's really really important why we have this blend of digital, as hybrid journey as we describe it internally. Where if you want to speak to somebody, you can do. If you want to do it completely online, you, you can do. But it's about matching up the experience based on the mover. And we know first time buyers are. Uh, definitely a captive audience because they've never done, done it before. And if you, you don't move house that often, mm. even when you're younger and renting, you move more frequently. But buying, you, you certainly don't move that frequently. And again, people have got questions. They're not sure where to start. There's a lot going on. They're dealing with getting a mortgage, conveyancing, that whole process. And there's a bunch of legal stuff to sort out as well as all of the, the move itself. And and that's where we try and come in and become a become a friend to them at that point of, of a loss of stress that's going on mm. yeah I, uh, yeah i can think of the times i've bought and uh, a friendly a friendly voice would have been really useful um <laughs> but i think that's important to acknowledge as well that I, we we're very particularly in the insure tech world we're very key keen to digitize everything um that's fine when it works you know uh, my as uh, unmentioned health insurers a perfect example they've got an app which they absolutely rammed down your throats about everything's on there i'm a guy that's 41 i use a lot of technology i cannot work this thing it's it's like baffling to use and then you think i think about my parents who are in their 70s i'm like there's absolutely no chance that they're finding their way through it um but they're so pushing it that they've gone almost too far so there's not really a blend it's like if you try and get through to someone it's, it's impossible so and i think when you're talking about things like insurance and moving these are kind of real emotional big shifts in your life and actually just sometimes having someone to talk to regardless of age or, or position it's just reassuring if nothing else it's it's that proper sort of it, it, it is that concierge type of experience that you kind of really need in those uh, that trusted advisor that you need yeah so, i completely agree, completely agree. Um, so uh, I suppose we, we, I'd be amiss if I, I'd be a very unprofessional interviewer if I didn't, we didn't talk about the kind of macroeconomic environment. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk, particularly um, been some wonderful stuff happening with the economy lately. Um, presumably that doesn't particularly impact you. It just sways it maybe more towards renting than, 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 than buying. Yeah, I mean, what, what impact has that had at the kind of state of the property market in the UK at the moment? Yeah, well, if we go back to a few years, I mean, COVID, was was challenging because the move market froze for a number of months cool. and then came back online but what that the bigger impact of that wasn't actually so much the moves trying up because they were still being processed and we were still doing some decent volumes mm-hmm. it was actually on the 
new partners that we were working with or about to sign up that just had to stop and pause the conversations with us because they were figuring out how to keep their own businesses alive. And so that was challenging where we expected to see growth coming through and onboarding new partners. We, we didn't see many new big ones coming through for 12 months, really. So that was uh, an initial challenge and impact. And then, of course, that was beginning to just beginning to, to tidy itself up. And then the energy crisis kicked in with the war in Ukraine. And that the, the impact for that on us was that a lot of our revenue was coming from energy switching at the point of somebody moving into a property. So we would do a change of occupancy, moving them from company A to company B, and then recommend a new supplier. And historically, there was always a saving to be made at that point of, of moving in because they would be on a standard variable tariff as they went into that new house. Mm -hmm. We would move them into a new supplier and, and get paid from those suppliers for doing that. And that just turned off overnight in October last year. So wow. that was a real challenge. And, and the reason being that the price cap that was in place was making it unprofitable for any companies to take on new customers, well, even their own customers, their existing customers were, were loss making for them in most cases. And so that meant that we had to get very good very quickly at the other services that we had, so insurance, broadband, removals, and, and other things that we've, we've now moved into. And whilst it was incredibly challenging, actually now in hindsight, it was a, a good thing to have gone through. And I think we're, we're a stronger company as a result of that. And coming back to your specific point around the current trends in the interest rates going up, and that, that falling and causing more sales properties to fall through. And certainly there's been a lot of disruption, I think, to many of our partners that are in and around the sales space. You're completely right. The The rental market is usually way more buoyant when the sales market is, is not because people are going to rent for a bit longer. They're going to sit on their hands, see what the prices do in the, in the property market. And so that's that's we've definitely seen that and, and we'll see that coming through, I think, over the course of the next year. And some of our partners are forecasting a slight drop off in, in their overall move volume as people just stay in the properties that they're in for longer. Yeah. And I think we'll, it'll be interesting to see how all of that pans out. But for us, we're, we're very fortunate in the sense that we're agnostic across both markets. So it shouldn't have too much of an impact on us as, as a business, thankfully. Yeah. 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 Insurance is pretty good for that. I, I, it's pretty robust and, and you, you can't escape it. Uh, <laughs> it needs to be done. Because uh, someone was asking me about that sort of the insure tech environment. But I, I was really conscious about that with a, with a business like yours as well, with the, almost how do you pitch yourself? You know, prop tech, insure tech, or, you know, does it <laughs> depends on the uh, depends on the trends in the basic investment market. And <laughs> <Yeah>. who <laughs> um, we're talking to. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. I wanted to ask you about that. You know, you've got some InsureTech specific investors on board. Um, has that impacted the way that you look at insurance or your insurance offering? Has is, is there been, whether it's been any insight or just increased emphasis, has that changed anything at all from your internally? Uh, not massively. I mean, we, we're we fortunate. We've got a lot of great investors who've supported the business since we started raising money, and many of which have, have come into subsequent rounds since comes back to getting the fundamentals right so if, if we're doing a great job and we're, and we're doing a good job but we're not doing probably a great job at the, the essential part making all of that just smoother streamlining it all working more closely with suppliers and we've, we've probably invested more time and money into these areas than i think any other company in the uk that we're aware of because we think getting it right is fundamentally crucial to that long-term success but there isn't necessarily lots of money in that the free services but it's yeah. where you can provide the most value. So it's it's 
getting that right and then moving into the other areas. So we, we've, we've not been pressurized at all into monetizing quickly, uh, more quickly. And we know that that, that, is, that is there, it's coming through. We've got some, uh, some good revenue now coming from insurance specifically mm-hmm. and, uh, and long-term trail revenues from that as well as people renew their policies. Mm-hmm. And, but it will, it will naturally become, uh, as I mentioned earlier, insurance is gonna become a, a even bigger part of, of what we're doing over the course of the next 12 to, to 18 months. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, B Corps, we mentioned them earlier. Um, you know, very early into your journey to, to incorporate into a B Corp. Um, why, why was that so important to you as a as a business? Um, because it's it's not. We talked about this when we first met. It's it's yeah. it's not like you just go. Oh, we're going to be a big B Corp. You know, there's so much structure. Definitely not now. Yeah, definitely oh, not now. It's really really yeah. hard. So um, why was it important to you as a business? And, and I suppose uh, what I wanted to follow up from that is, is kind of has this enabled you to attract different talent? Because, you know, we're obviously a talent business. We're a recruitment business. Um, I'm really interested about that because that's really wearing your values on your sleeve, I think. So, yeah, what, why was that decision made and, and, and what impact has it made, really? Yeah, we were always going to become a B Corp. That was always part of the, the, the conversations that Tom and I had had. We... Mm-hmm probably didn't know enough about the process at the beginning. We'd, we'd, we'd seen and admired brands that were part of the original founding B Corp membership. So Patagonia, Ben & Jerry's, companies that were doing good as part of their business. And it was, why would you not, why would you not be a B Corp? That was the, the question we asked ourselves. And yeah. looking 10 years ahead, we're thinking, well, if you're not a B Corp, who's going to buy your products? Who's going to engage with you? Because there'll be companies that are, and it just seemed like an obvious thing to do. And almost, yeah, conversely, why wouldn't you do it? So we set about in 2018, the, I think probably the year before we actually started the process of, right, we want, we need to start now thinking about what this looks like. And it's not, it's not a straightforward process. There's a lot of information gathering you have to do. There are a lot of buckets of, of specific data that you have to, to pull in, which covers things like uh, governance, workers, environment, community, and customers. And so across each of those areas, you have to go and do and provide evidence that says that you're doing whatever it is that you're claimed to do. There's an assessment process you have to go through, 180 questions. And once you've provided all the evidence, you then get assessed by the charity that sits behind B Corporation, which is B Labs. And they will then go through all of your dirty laundry and make sure that everything you've said is, is accurate and you've, you've got to have evidence for it. So as an example, we were switching homes to renewable energy as part of our big focus to try and uh, move towards a, a greener economy. And as part of that process, we said that we've switched X thousand properties to renewable energy. Well, that was great, but they wanted to see the certificates from the suppliers that we've done that. So then you have to go and speak to the suppliers and provide the evidence. So you really can't you definitely can't blag your way through the process and it's uh it is it's a tough process to go through i think the bigger you get as a company the harder it gets as well because there's just more stuff to unpick supply chains just everything about what you're doing becomes becomes more tricky we recertified over the last year for the first time and that was it was harder because you've got more more employees and it's you've got to maintain the same levels that you did when you were seven eight nine ten people 50 and then hopefully you know, beyond mm. and and that is you've just got to be fully committed it's got to be driven from the top but for us it's been a brilliant way to it's a great framework for the business we describe it as a fair trade copy stamp for a business that's like a nice way to think about it publicly to anybody who doesn't know what it is 
And then it has definitely been, I think it's probably one of the main reasons why somebody wants to come and work for us because right. they know without knowing anything about the people that work there, what they're all about, because it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic blueprint. And I think that is, uh, we saw very early on when we first were in the process of certifying to become a B Corp, we actually hadn't certified, but we'd put in a job ad that we were, we actually described ourselves as B Corp pending, which we, we were very ignorant to what that term actually meant. And at the time, we weren't pending at all. Pending was for a company that was less than two years old that was doing it. We were just in the application process. And we had written that we were a pending B Corp. We'd been through the application process on one of our job ads. And somebody reached out to us who was incredibly overqualified for the role. They'd previously run a successful business, a multi-million pound business, and were applying for this role that was a customer service role. And I, I actually just ignored it initially because I thought it's just, and we had so many applications and we were busy at the time. I, I felt feel bad for saying it, but we, we kind of ignored it. It just seemed like it was a mistake. It just seemed like it was just far too good to be true. Mm. And then they were very persistent. They kept reaching out. They reached out to, to Tom. And we, I said, have you seen this person who's applied for the role? They just look amazing, but it must be a mistake. So I, I, I reach out. So I had a conversation. The first question I said was, I've got to ask, why are you applying for this role? Because it seems like it's either a mistake or, I don't know, something must be wrong. Mm. And, and they said, oh, it's, it's because you're a big and uh, I don't, I don't need to work. I've, I've seen the application form. I look at the website. I love what you're doing, and I just want to work on a I sort of work, want to work for a company that's doing good. So that was a bit of a wow moment for us. And from then on, it's really been at the heart of everything that we've done, promotionally wise as a company. It's the, it's on the very first slide of all of the sales presentations we ever do externally or our investor decks. The B Corp logo sits on there. And I think now it's become relatively, not everybody knows the B Corp logo, but a lot of the brands that are B Corps will promote it pretty heavily on their labels. A lot of consumer brands that are now B Corps will, will do that and you'll see it on their packaging, you'll see it on their ads. It's, it's becoming something that is a, it's a real statement. And it's definitely become probably cool to be a B Corp, I think, more recently. But still, even with that tag, it's a very hard thing to get. It's very hard to maintain. And you definitely can't like your way through it. So from a, a recruitment point of view, it's been very powerful as a retention mechanism, definitely as well. I think it's within a, a business that is a B Corp. There are certain things you have to do. You have to give your team time off to do charitable work over the course of the year. Historically, pre-COVID, we used to do things as a group. So we'd get the whole team and we'd go in do beach cleans or we would sing to the elderly or we would clean rivers. We've done all sorts of stuff over the years. Or help with homeless charities and now we have we tend to do it in smaller groups just because it's it's easier and less disruptive for the business but even this week we've had some of the team down on one of the local beaches in Dorset doing another beach clean and they cleaned up 70 kilos of rubbish from a beach which is scary but uh, the the point being this is the stuff that people really live for yeah yeah working for us is great and it's a it's a nice company and we're working on some cool stuff but it's the it's the purpose that sits behind it that really gets everybody out of bed and me out of bed in the morning mm. see how how much impact can we have as a business we're also part of one percent for the planet which is where one percent of our revenue goes to supporting charitable causes and i think we want to do more and more and we've been planting mangrove trees for every customer that we, we help first while well, going back as far as i can remember but that's again also now you know, everyone's planting trees which is fine but actually are they being planted where they're being planted is it having the impact that they should yeah. is it a bit of greenwashing so 
we're now looking at how can we go, how can we change things, what can we do differently? So beginning to offset people's moves is, is one step, pushing them better towards within our digital experience, actually letting them know the impact of their move. Because moving home is quite carbon intensive and there's a lot of stuff mm. that happens that that could impact your score. So beginning to give people a score so they can see how they're doing. And then naturally beyond the move itself, nudging them towards other things. So if we're doing a great, a great job on the on the way in, I mentioned about other insurance products, but what about other financial services too? So their pension, as an example, where's their pension? Are they backing yeah. stuff like oil and tobacco and things that they may completely disagree with as a consumer, but they just they're unaware of what their their employer, where they have their their pension sitting. So that's an area that we're also looking at, which is divestment. And, and I think we, we're in a we're well positioned to go and do that as well. Mm. That's so interesting. Um, I was thinking about my pension. Uh... Where is it? Where is it, Alec? Hey, well, it was in a green one, but I think it was doing so badly, I shamelessly switched it. <laughs> um, uh, no comment. No comment on that. Uh, hey, hey, I was, a, I was, I'm a, I'm a converted vegan, so you know. Um, but then I fly too often, so it all makes it, it makes it a nonsense. Um, Ross, I could talk to you all day, and, and and I'd be very tempted to, but I'm really conscious of our time, and we don't want to overstay our welcome. But I'm, I always kind of like to sort of finish on. You know, we're, we're we're talking in in the late end of uh, 2022. So, what does 2023 hold for for you and the guys that just move in? Um, new new territories, new countries, new new products, all of the above. Uh, there's lots of exciting stuff going on. But so, in summary, I mean, next year is it's going to be a transformative year, I think, for us. We're working with a lot of new, big, very well known, exciting new partners. So, we should see our our move volume double over the next 12 months at least, which will get us to 150, 160,000 moves roughly, which is uh, which is really exciting. Moving into new areas in terms of the, the brands that we're working with. So embedding our service into different types of organizations, that's that's really exciting. We're very UK focused for now. And whilst we we have looked at other international markets, the, the, the UK market is so large for now that we need to go and um, become, we already are the one of the largest providers of what we're doing, but become the absolute market leader here and then see where things go from there uh, from a product technology perspective lots of new exciting things coming through really building on the digital journey that we've, we've launched 12 months ago and adding more service providers and making that journey just as, as slick as it possibly can be and, and trying to remove as much of the, the stress and the hassle for the customer as possible so that's really where we're focused as well as from a, an ethical point of view as i started to mention trying to do more from a sustainability point of view and uh, really making that at the heart of every decision we make. Mm, brilliant. Uh, it's it's yeah. I'm quite envious of. Um, well, firstly, you've got through the B Corp thing because I keep thinking about it and then I see it and I think just do it. Um, do it. Yeah, no, I know. Well, I should do. Well, we're small enough to probably make it do, do it quite easier than, than than should. But yeah, there's there's so much there that that resonates with me. So um, Ross, I'm glad we got a chance to do this because um, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better and we've managed to do it from that perspective. But I haven't coughed yeah. once, so I'm very pleased. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know you did well. Um, I had a little sneeze there, but we we skipped over it. But um, um, Ross, thank you so much for your time. Um, really appreciate it. Thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Pleasure. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Leadership and Insurance podcast. As ever, this is brought to you by FinPro Search Partners, the executive search firm for the insure tech industry on an international basis. If you want to find out more about what we do from a recruitment standpoint, please visit www.wearefinpro.com. 